UFC 232 Post Fight Thoughts. Dun dun dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Listen to me on Anchor.fm, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash FightJunkie2006. So UFC 232 just ended. I'll go over a couple of the fights that we did pre-fight podcasts on. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you can click that icon in the upper right corner, and that will link back to all the previous podcasts that I reference. BJ. BJ, BJ, this was a fight going in that I said was probably the least threatening fight that BJ was going to have, especially during his current run where he's been losing constantly, simply because Ryan Hall isn't a striker, and I think you saw that tonight. Penn probably had his best success when they were standing. He was pushing forward. There was real no, really no threat of Hall doing a lot of damage on the feet. That's why I thought if Hall kept it on the feet and ended up winning a decision, BJ wouldn't take a lot of damage. On the ground is what I really wanted to see. I mentioned this in the pre-fight podcast, like old school, new school, uh, BJJ clash, whose jujitsu was better. I mean, we found that out, but we didn't find that out in the traditional way since he, he snatched that leg lock up so fast. And it was just over. So, I mean, so quick. He's so quick with that. It's amazing to me how Hall makes that shit look so easy. Anybody who's trained jiu-jitsu know it's not that easy. And if you watch the Carlos Condit fight against Michael Chiesa, you can see it's not that easy for people to pull off those type of leg locks like that so quickly. I mean, as soon as he grabbed it, BJ was tapping. So, I mean, as far as BJ goes... What more can you ask for this guy? I mean, you've given him a guy who's not a striker, who you knew going in was going to try to get it to the ground, who you knew going in would pull guard and do crazy stuff with your legs, and he still couldn't even manage to compete with him in that regard. And the amount of striking that was done was limited, and the fight didn't get out of the first round. I mean, there's just nothing more that you can give Penn. You put him in with a striker... He's going to get beat up. You put him in with a jiu-jitsu guy, now he could potentially get subbed. You put him in with a wrestler, he'll probably get, you know, taken down and beaten up on the ground. I just, I, there were times where Penn looked okay, but it, it really wouldn't matter because it was Ryan Hall. That's what I was saying going in. This was the best opportunity Penn was ever going to have to eke out a win, simply because Even if he was a shell, his shell was still better than Ryan Hall on the feet. And again, we saw that a glimpse since the fight didn't last very long, but you could see glimpses of it. But it's just not enough. I mean, granted, not everybody can fight on the the ground like Ryan Hall does. But we've just seen BJ beat pretty much in every aspect of the game now. This was his first submission loss, and he's just not getting any better. There's not many matchups that you're going going to be able to give him that isn't going to get him seriously hurt. Hell, even this match, it looked like he jacked up his knee. So you put him in with Ryan Hall because you know he's not going to take a beating on the feet, goes down, gets the leg locked, and twists his knee up. So, I mean, I I don't want his knee to be permanently damaged, but at some point, something has to happen 
where you go, this is it. No more. I'm taking a year off or two years. I'm retired. I come back. I'm retired. I come. I mean, enough is enough. I don't believe there's anybody on the roster that you're going to be able to say that he has a legitimate chance of beating. Um, the Cat Zingano fight, that was a weird ending. Another one that only lasted around. It was a toe to the eye that actually stopped it with Megan Anderson catching her right in the eye with her big toe, just like stuck in there, boom, right in the eye. It cut her over the eyelid. She turned her back, wouldn't fight. The ref had to stop the fight. Um, I mean, that stuff, that's just the weird stuff that happens in the MMA. Uh, there's not a lot you could talk about with the fight since it happened so quickly. And again, she wasn't able to continue. But the one thing I will say is other people on social media trying to compare the sticking of the toe in the eye to fingers in the eye when you know you can't ball up your toes. Uh, basically, most strikes with the feet are legal. It doesn't matter if it cuts your eye, if it sticks you in the eye, if it breaks your nose, if it goes in your mouth, they're just going to tell you to keep fighting because unlike the fists that have rules about you're not supposed to extend your fingers and your fist has to be closed, these type of things, they don't have that for feet. So I'm not sure if it was sour grapes, but a lot of people, I don't know if they bet on Cat, if they were fans of Cat, if they're family of Cat. Even Cat herself was doing this after, after the fight with a tweet saying, you know, what do you guys think about toes to the eyes compared to eye pokes? Are they not the same? And I mean, to me, that's just making an excuse. Granted, it sucks to lose that way, but I mean, you can't really, I don't think Megan was preparing to stick her big toe in her eye. I mean, it just happened. And if you're going to talk about the rules and the regulations, you know, that, that doesn't happen very often. Eye pokes happen way more often. And like I said, even Big John McCarthy said that, like you can't control the digits on your feet. Like you're not going to sit around with your, you know, your toes curled up when you throw a kick. It's just ridiculous. That's never going to change. They can rematch, and the odds of that happening are slim to none. So we'll get, uh, you know, whatever outcome was going to be, and then everybody will move on. But I just thought it was ridiculous that people were crying foul. That should have been no contest. That instant replay should have been used. All this stuff when there's no foul. That's what I was trying to explain to people. Under the current rule set, there is nothing to review. There is no way you can call a legal strike a foul. If this was with the hands and the eye poke went in, then you could do that because of the rules that your fist is supposed to be closed. And when you extend your arm, your fingers are supposed to be curled up. Those are the rules. They don't say when you throw a kick, you have to have your toes curled. That's why I was trying to get through to people. And a lot of people just missed the whole thing. It went over their heads. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think most people that have watched MMA for any length of time understand the rules. And I think it's ridiculous. I think we would all agree it's ridiculous that you can compare the two because, like I said, you don't have uh, the ability to curl your toes up when you throw your kicks. Um, the Chris Cyborg fight. Wow. Not only is it an amazing win for Amanda, champ champ, but I was more stunned with the way Cyborg fought with such a low cage IQ. It was stunning to me the way that she came out like a sloppy drunk amateur throwing those punches. And even if 
she thought, all I got to do is crack her and it's over. Once she realized that Amanda was shooting those shots straight down the middle and basically sniping her ass and hurt her and dropped her, you got to switch it up. But she didn't. She just kept with the wild haymakers swinging for the fences even while she was getting tagged over and over and over again and eventually got her ass knocked out. 50-something seconds into the first round. Now, we did say if Amanda was going to win, early was probably her best bet. But no way in hell did I think Cyborg's just going to come out, swing like a crazy person, get hit, drop, hurt, get up, drop, hurt, get up, get, you know, and just keep doing the same thing over and over. Like, she honestly had zero respect for Amanda's power even after she was still getting hit. Like, it seemed to me like she honestly thought in her mind, it doesn't matter that I'm being hurt. It doesn't matter that I'm being dropped because all I have to do is land one punch. And that was foolish. It was very, very foolish. Even if she thought she was the bigger puncher, even if she thought she was, you know, had the better cardio, the better boxer, whatever the case was, the bigger girl. Once the fight starts and Amanda has shown the ability to hurt you and then drop you, You've got to have enough sense to regain your composure and implement your plan B, which should have been plan A, because to come out just so wild like that against Amanda when even going in, everybody who even didn't pick Amanda said, Amanda can crack, she's technical. I said the exact same stuff. The exact same stuff. She's technical. They'll probably be neck and neck early. The big advantage for Cyborg could probably be, be, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth rounds where I thought Amanda might fade. We never got there. So what I expected from Cyborg was, okay, even if you come out like this, you're going to adjust. And she didn't. I don't know if that's a case of her believing her own hype, if she's got too many yes people around her if she really believes that her shit don't stink and she can walk through everybody. But it's just amazing to me that even if you thought that going in, as soon as you are hurt and dropped, that should go right out the window and you should say, wait a minute, she can hurt me. She can drop me. You know, I need to create some distance here. I need to regain my senses. I need to put some punches together to keep her off of me. You know, certainly not, you're not going to just rush her over and over it it was stunning to watch her get hurt get dropped get up and throw wild haymakers get hurt get dropped get up throw wild haymakers it was just unbelievable the lack of intelligence that she fought with tonight major props to amanda you can't take anything away from her she definitely is one of the top fighters well, you've got to say at 135 and now at 145, she destroyed Cyborg. She never took really any damage at all. She just demolished her with her power. She showed that she can really crack at 45. Again, to me, it's uh, the thing that you're going to really worry about with Amanda is the cardio. So if she stays at 45 or goes back to 35 or defends at 45 and defends at 35, whatever the case is, there's no discounting her ability. I'll say that again. Her ability is not in question here. The only thing to me is, 
her stamina. Because is it a case of her cutting too much weight at 35? And maybe she has better stamina at 45? If that's the case, I think she should stay there. Because that is a problem. It's been a problem for her in the past. And that's one of the things I factored in when we capped this fight with Cyborg. Is that I thought her skill set matched up with Cyborg well. But there were question marks around Amanda that I thought probably would end up showing their heads. And then Cyborg would take advantage of it. But we never got to that. So you can't fault Amanda for what happened. You definitely can fault Cyborg because she should have never gave her those counter opportunities once she started hitting her clean early. She sh she should have tightened that up and started moving around, around, regained her composure, started setting stuff up, tried to extend the fight a little bit longer like she should have in the first place. So I'm not sure if that's the game plan they came up with. If she was pissed because Amanda called her out and they're Brazilian, I don't know what the deal was, but that was just a stunning sight to see Cyborg do the same thing over and over again with the exact same results and then eventually get laid out in 55 seconds. So props to Amanda. I mean, this has to be a huge blow to Cyborg. Maybe it's what she needs, honestly, because if you think you can just throw haymakers like that and walk through everybody. It's worked for her for a lot of her career, but I've seen her more technical against lighter strikers like Holly Holm. So that's what was really shocking to me is you're going to be that wild and that crazy and show that lack of technique against Amanda Nunez, who is a power hitter. That made no sense. Like if you're going to do that, you would think you would do that against a light hitter that you're not worried about taking their punches because you know that you could take them and you can walk them down and eventually you will catch them. Like I said, even if she thought that going in, it was very stupid once Amanda started cracking her for her to keep doing the same thing over and over again. The main event, uh, Roy Jones got it done. Again, my opinion of him hasn't changed. It's never going to change. Um, to me, the fight really didn't, it really wasn't too exciting. Like Jones looked like the regular Jones. Uh, Gustafson really didn't do much. Like I didn't give him a round. It wasn't going to be competitive, even if it went five rounds. Once he got him down, you could pretty much see the writing on the wall that it was going to be over. Um, I mean, what can we say about Jones? Hopefully he passes his post-fight drug test. Hopefully he gets another fight against the top guy in the division. And hopefully we can see a couple of his fights in a row without controversy. I don't think that's going to happen. I find it highly unlikely. Like I said, I think the guy's a total screw-up. I definitely think he's a cheat. Um, is he good? Of course he's good. Do I think that steroids and all that stuff is giving him his ability? No. I've never said that. Like a lot of people think, you know, his steroid use or his cheating or his cocaine or whatever has given him the ability, you know, his timing and the way that he sees things and his strike selection and his wrestling as jujitsu. It's not. But we all know what steroids and PEDs do, how they can help you in your training camps and do things and recover. And that's where I think that he's getting the edge. And that's why I don't consider him the greatest of all time. Now, some people disagree with that. Some people agree with that. But the fact of the matter is the guy can't stay out of trouble. So if he stays out of trouble this time, maybe we will get to see a couple fights. If not, it's going to be the same thing surrounding him that we've been used to surrounding him, which is chaos and controversy. And I'm going to I'm gonna go down that road and think that's what happens. Like I said, I just don't think the guy can stay out of trouble. He's very, very talented. I wish 
the guy was clean. I wish he didn't have all these demons outside the octagon because he's enjoyable to watch somebody that has that much skill and is able to implement it against a wide variety of different fighters, right? It doesn't matter if you're short, doesn't matter if you're tall, doesn't matter if you're a wrestler, doesn't matter if you're a striker. I mean, that's very rare to see. So I think most people would be rooting for John Jones if he wasn't always caught up in the controversy that seems to be, you know, his life. That just seems to be attached to him wherever he goes. So I still maintain that at some point, if he doesn't clean up his act outside the octagon, which, again, I don't think he really will, if he doesn't clean it up and get himself right, that at some point you're going to see that decline hit and people are going to be like, what happened? John Jones just got upset, kind of like how we saw Cyborg get upset. People are going to have their jaws dropped to the floor going, this guy's so dominant, what happened? And it could come out of nowhere because we don't know what this guy is doing coming into these fights. Remember, he's the guy that bragged about going on cocaine binges and then fighting and winning. So you don't know how this guy is going to come into these fights. And one of these times, I think it's going to bite him in the ass and everybody's going to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked. I can't call when it's going to happen. I even said that in the pre-fight podcast. I didn't go out on a limb and say, this is the fight that's going to happen because I really don't know. We need to see him fight consistently so you can see if there's any idea of erosion there. If you start, if you can see any glimpse of John not being John. But if you don't see that and, and he's taking a one fight a year or two fights a year, one fight every six or seven months, it's very difficult to tell because we're not getting enough information. We don't have enough data to say, yeah, you know, at some point this is going to happen. So everybody just assumes it's always going to be the greatest of all time, John Jones, that shows up. And I'm telling you, at some point, people are going to be not only burned as far as betting goes, but very, very shocked and disappointed when he ends up losing inside the octagon. And I said this in the pre-fight podcast. I honestly don't think it's a matter of if it's going to happen. I truly, honestly, only wonder when it's going to happen. And believe me, if I could predict it, I'll be a rich man because Jones is always going to be favored. Even after this layoff, he was favored. Most people always pick John Jones. Most people bet on John Jones. If I was able to predict, like, man, I got some secret information here. He's looking like shit in camp. Whatever the case was, you would make a lot of money. But that's probably not going to happen unless it's really widespread and the information leaks, and then if it leaks, it's probably going to leak to all of us, and then you're going to see the line shift automatically because no matter what people say, they care more about money than rooting for a fighter. So it could be the biggest John Jones fan in the world, and if you hear some rumblings about injuries or sickness or there's some shit going on with drug tests or whatever the case is, then people will look to make money off of that opportunity. And that's really how it should be. Like like I always say, like you can like a fighter, not like a fighter, but in the end, you've got to set all that aside. And that's the same thing. I tell you guys straight, I don't like John Jones, but I don't discount what he does. I don't discount his talents, but I do call a spade a spade. And I do think he's a cheat. And I do think it's going to come back to bite him in the butt. And I do think ultimately he's going to lose in the octagon. And history is on my side. Some great cappers out there disagree with me about John Jones. 
And that's cool. That's fine. But history is on my side, guys. It really is. If you look back at all the combat sports fighters out there who have abused their body, whether it's PEDs or alcohol or recreational drugs or hardcore, whatever it is, that those things that they do have affected their career inside the ring slash octagon. There's many, many, many examples of this going back so far. It, it would be an hour long podcast if we named every single one that we could think of. I mean, it's the, the history is on my side. The proof is in the pudding. It happens. And I just don't think John Jones is that special that he's going to be able to avoid what all these other great fighters couldn't avoid. You know, they may only have three losses, but they got losses. They may have only been stopped once or twice, but they've been stopped once or twice. And I think that's what's going to happen to Jones. It's just a matter of time. But like I said, if I had that information, I would definitely bring it out and say, hey, guys, this is it. This is the one. Everybody mortgage your house because we're going to be rich, but that's not realistic. So do I enjoy watching Jones? I do, but it's always with that cloud, right? Because I don't think he's real. I don't think he's real. I don't think he's legitimate. I think there there are performance enhancing and certainly street drugs that are flowing through his body. So it takes kind of the excitement about watching him because you're going is this guy doing it the right way? And in my opinion, I don't think he is. That's the same thing DC tweeted out. And of course, they got history, bad, bad history. But he said the guy should win. He's always got a head start before he starts the fight. And that's the thing. Like, if you have that in your head, if if you you believe that he is cheating in some regard, in some shape or form, that sticks with you. And when you're looking at it, you're watching him do some amazing things and you can appreciate appreciate those things. But then you're always sitting there going, man, you know, he's not doing this legitimately. So that's why I said about taking stuff and kind of pushing it aside. Because if that was the case and you believe Jones is a cheater, then morally you would say, I'm never betting on this guy and you would lose a lot of money. So that's why even if you like a fighter or don't like a fighter, you've got to kind of separate yourself from that and just focus on stylistic matchups. And that's a much better way. If you go down in flames, you go down in flames. But it wasn't because of biasness, right? It wasn't because I hate John Jones, so I'm always going to bet against John Jones because he's a cheater. And there are people that way. And if that's the case, just, just lay off the fight. Don't even bet because ultimately that's not the right way to cap. I can say I don't like John Jones, but damn, he's fighting Latife, right? And there's no way in hell Latife is going to beat him. Something like that because of the style matchup, because of the skills, because this, that, and the other. The only caveat would probably be, man, I hope he passes his drug test. You know, it would be something like that. Like, yeah, I'm going to bet at this, but I'm worried that the fight's going to be canceled or have to be moved again. You know, stuff like that because obviously we have no control over that. All you can do is look at a fight cap the fight to your best of your ability and then whatever's going on outside the cage with these USADA and the UFC and and Jones and these fighters juicing and drugs and alcohol and whatever they're doing we have no control over that so you kind of just sit back and cross your fingers especially with John Jones you sit back you cross your fingers and you hope the fight comes off because he is a talent and if people have been betting on him consistently over the course of his, his career You've made good money because the guy just wins. Even the loss, he always says he's undefeated, and it really was like a bogus DQ, so I don't even argue with him saying he's undefeated. Technically, he has a loss on his record, but anybody that watched that Hamill fight 
for the illegal elbows knows that was kind of bogus. So really, you could say he's uh, undefeated. I don't have a problem with that even. It's just the greatest of all time is what I have a big problem with because I don't believe that you can say that with this cloud. It's not even a cloud. He's been proven to pop hot. Even in this case, you could spin it any way you want with the metabolites, but there's at least, I believe it was August and September and then this one where he popped hot, where this thing is showing up and then like in, in odd months, it's not showing up and then it's showing up again. So it's not even in a cloud. There is some shit going on. So if you want to fool yourself into believing that there's just, it's just the magic of John Jones, that he's this rare fighter that somehow the MMA gods have tainted and then it disappears and then it reappears and then that's your prerogative. But to me that it's not even logical. It doesn't make sense. And then the whole cover up with USADA and the UFC with USADA going from a we administer tests and report results to suddenly making conclusions about if fighters have cheated or not. It's just too much for me to believe that something is not going on. So in my opinion, I'm going to stick with that. If you guys think he's clean, then you guys can stick with that. But like I tell my other capper guys, you know, my buddies on social media, whatever the case is, listen, time will tell. Like this is just my opinion. You guys have your opinion. I think he's dirty. Some people think he's clean. Some people agree with me that he's dirty. I think most people agree that he's talented. But time is going to tell. The same thing with, is the outside the octagon lifestyle going to affect him? And he's eventually going to lose, lose badly and people are going to be shocked. Some people agree with me. Some people say, no way, he's going to get better and better and better. So, I mean, really, time will tell and it will prove one way or the other who's right. And I have no problem with that because, like I said, when you look at things and you look at how fighters have done this throughout their careers, even in boxing and MMA, but even if you take boxing, there's some greats out there who were into some shady shit, man. And then they show up as a heavy favorite and they get their ass whooped. And, you know, people are like, oh, he looked flat. He got old overnight. Most people don't know what's going on until after, way after. Look at Lance Armstrong, right? I mean, they never even busted the guy. So think about that. With all these tests and all these cyclists that got ratted out and there were all kinds of winning and doing it. So it's not just combat sports, but I know combat sports a lot better than anything else. So when you're looking at this, this is tried and true, man. This happens. These guys go off and do things they shouldn't be doing. It affects them over years, sometimes decades. And then ultimately they hit the wall. And when they hit the wall, everybody is shocked because they are talented and they are dominant and they are superstars and they are millionaires and multimillionaires, right? So you expect them to continue on this path, not realizing that behind the scenes, they're dirty, dirty, dirty and doing dirty things. And then one day their body says, nope, that's it. I'm not going to function like I have been for the past 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, however long. And then fight fans or betters are shocked when it happens. I'm not going to be shocked when it happens to John Jones. I'm just sitting here waiting and then my podcast is going to be, I told you guys, I told you so. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will sock it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.